0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, yet another uh, great interview here on the Lubini Rock and Roll Circus with uh, Lou Lombardi, aka Ludini. Today, my very, very special guest is Ariel Hyatt, the founder of the successful PR firm Cyber PR. Uh, she's an international speaker, author of four books, uh, tr- uh, trademarked her uh, p- Cyber PR process and this marks the intersection of social media, PR, and online marketing. Her PR method is taught at several universities. However, she is best known in her industry for her ability to simplify and explain things that creative minds don't necessarily love, like uh, PR, marketing, and social media. Ariel Hyatt, welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. So good to meet you.
1: So good to be here. Thanks for that very amazing introduction. I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> okay. So Tell uh, so. So you have all these great accolades. You've been in this business for a long time. You've helped so many people. Uh, Just so my audience knows, some of these, some of the clients that you've worked with are uh, uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra, John Popper Project, Wendy and Lisa from the Revolution. I remember them from the '80s. Uh, uh, The Jerky Boys, Bowling for Soup, and Duran Duran. (laughs) So so. How did you, so let's go back. How did you get started in the music business?
1: The short answer is. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. No one would give me a job, so I made one up, pretty much. Um, let's see. Like many of you listening in, um, I got a liberal arts degree. Um, I'm not a musician, but I am uh, very into the arts, and so I had a theater degree from a small yankee university um and graduated and to the not delight of my parents moved back in with them um okay i do have the fortune of being born and raised in, in new york city so uh, location wise that was a good whole position to get into the music business and then started the um humbling six-month job search i got a little internship at classic rock radio station, WNEW-FM. So that was my first paying gig in the business. And at night, I worked at record stores, at a record store called MYCD. For those of you who don't know what a record store is, that's where people <laughs> used to buy the music. Um, and it was great. It thank, was you, a, 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 thank
0: you for clarifying that.
1: You know, that's just in case there's anyone listening that doesn't know that. Um, so that was, those were my first two jobs, I would say, in the music business. So retail side, radio side. And then, as luck would have it, I um, ended up at a tiny record label called What Are Records, which was founded by Rob Gordon, um, who had been fired from EMI. And Rob and... I and a team of uh, 12 other people ended up really kicking butt, and we sold a million albums for a band that had been dropped from Arista Records called The Samples. And I worked with Rob for a year, and that's where I really got got my chops in the music business understanding pretty much everything I still use 22 years later, which is, how to keep your audience happy, direct-to-fan marketing, everything that I learned at What Our Records, which I I learned from Rob, selling all those albums and and touring with the samples, um, applies to social media and what I do today. So that was my start.
0: Okay, so when did you start this uh, very cool cyber PR? I've been following cyber PR for at least... Ten years, I believe, um, mm. uh, just following your uh, emails and everything for a long time. So, so when did so when did you start break out on your own and get cyber PR up and running?
1: Uh, I broke out on my own after after a year, a little bit over a year at what our records. I got a job working for a concert promotions company. Did that for a year, and um, I got fired. Ha! <laughs> I got fired because, um, you know. The concert industry is a place where lots of crazy people work, um, and I was living at the time in Boulder, Colorado, and there were no jobs. There was no, unlike in New York where there were many possibilities, there were very few. I founded, at the time, it was called Ariel Publicity. I very creatively yeah. named it after myself. That,
0: that's right, Ariel. You're, I, re, I, I, I have news, old, uh, old emails with that uh, Ariel Publicity.
1: Yeah, there you that, go. That's, how, yeah. long, that's so, how long
0: that's where you that's where I that's where I think I start, started with. It. But go ahead, I'm sorry to mean to interrupt.
1: Wow. Um yeah. So in nineteen ninety six I founded a traditional PR firm and we launched when I say we, that's really me and a pile of business cards. <laughs> um we launched we launched at South by Southwest South ninety six. And um I was a traditional publicist for ten years, and my core client base was because I was out of Boulder, Colorado touring musicians, and that was during the time uh, where the hippie jam bands were really, really um, kicking butt, um, yeah. and I worked with, with a lot of artists that made their livings on the road, and I was a, I was a booking agent. I was, uh, did traditional tour PR and some national PR. I moved my business um, seven years in. I moved back to New York City, where I'm from. I started noticing around... 2000, 2001, and then I really noticed after September 11th a massive sea change in how the media was receiving, especially the types of artists that I was representing. And I'd like to say, I mean, you just named the largest artists that I've worked with, um, but truly my client base has been independent artists who are non major affiliates. So I've worked with 3,000 artists and probably you know, you, we could only name about 20 or 30 that might be household names. So mostly my work has been with emerging artists. Um, and I could see that there was less and less room for them to be included in, in large dailies and weeklies and newspapers and magazines, television, than when the radio act happened. We all know what happened there. There was no right. chance of them getting on any radio. And then the papers started firing their entertainment editors, which were my bread and butter. And I realized if I didn't do something to transform my business, I wouldn't have a business. And so at that time, the Internet was just taking off. Social media didn't even – that term didn't exist. It was, you know, web rings and list serves and web News, news and groups. <laughs> news groups, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I started finding pockets of enthusiastic music fans, and that's where I focused my attention. And the rest sort of, you know, out of the sheer frustration of, of not knowing how to produce results for my clients, I taught myself how to use all of those things, which then, of course, emerged into what we know now. Um, so
0: while a, lot of, while a lot of the business was running away from, uh, you know, indie acts. Uh, if you will, you sort of said, aha, here's an opening. Here's something that I can, that I can do. Didn't, didn't that scare the living crap out of you? Or are I'm you fearless? M-
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm definitely not fearless. I'm, I'm, it's funny. No, I think what I realized was it, it was more motivated by my disdain for having to talk to upset music journalists. Uh, being a publicist, for, for those of you who have never tried it, is really not so fun. Okay. Um, and I just thought, if I have to call John Perellis one more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. Um, and when you're a publicist, you know, there's this whole, the managing of expectations part of the puzzle is really tricky because artists and clients come to you and they expect the best, you know, they, they give you their best scenario, right? I want to be in Spin, I want to be in Rolling Stone, I want to be on NPR, I want to be on Conan, I want to be on Late Night, I want to be you know, in the LA Times, the New York Times, and you know, as a, as a publicist, that the chances of that happening, especially for an emerging artist that's not signed to a major label that doesn't have a big fan base yet, that that is a real long shot, and it was really hard. I spent a couple of years just thinking, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, it, it, it's, It wasn't in my wheelhouse. Yes, I could do it when I was working for George Clinton or Duran Duran or any of those larger acts, but the truth is everything happens in due time. And when you are in a position like a publicist or a radio promoter or anyone that's in marketing, there's a whole misconception that hiring someone like that helps you jump to the front of the line. And it's just not true in my experience.
0: Okay, so this so, is this is a good point because um, I think that a lot of people who hire uh, uh, music business professionals out there, and there's a lot of very good ones, this sort of like thing that they automatically think, well, this is this is it, this is the this is the silver bullet that's going to like get me right where I want to go.
1: Absolutely, and you think, well, they worked with Radiohead, so therefore my star is, is rising next. Um, So truly, it had less to do with fear and more to do with as an entrepreneur and as someone who's spent my entire adult life creating my own business. um, It was intolerable for me to carry on as a publicist because I truly knew that that wasn't what I liked to do. Mm -hmm. And I was really turned on by, um, by the Internet and by... By social media, it really suited my personality. It suited how I like to communicate. I actually really do love most social platforms. I love Twitter. Um, it wasn't hard for me to adapt, and so mm-hmm. I would say that the fear gave way. If there was any, it was more frustration gave way to excitement and wow, this is something interesting. I felt like I was, you know, I had to relearn everything because traditional PR does not work in the social media realm. Um, So it was very fun to take myself on a journey of having to learn something new. And I really relate to my artist clients because that's what everybody has to do in today's music business. We all have to keep learning. Once we think we figured something out, Spotify launches or Apple Music launches or the next big thing that disrupts everything. YouTube monetization. You know, you always have to kind of stay on top of what is the new paradigm. Um, and so I'm a learner, and I think that's, that's been, been the best, and that's the best way I can say um, that's really helped me to get on top of all this stuff.
0: What is the cyber PR process?
1: The cyber PR process is unless you take an integrated approach to your marketing and your PR, you're not going to get very far. So the purview that I had was looking through the lens as a traditional publicist. And if those of you don't actually know, that means, and it's kind of dead now, but back in the day it meant you write a press release, you blast the press release out to a list of appropriate journalists who you think will pick up on what the press release is about, and there was a formal way of communicating um, how to get an article written or a piece done. So that's part of cyber PR, the old school traditional PR, and, and that's still sort of the ethos of how we do business and, and how we founded the, the system. Um, the second piece that got added to it was internet marketing, email newsletter marketing, understanding the science of How many people open your newsletter? How many people are you adding to your newsletter list every year? Really looking at your direct connection to your fan, which is very different from your direct connection to the journalist world or the people that can write articles about you. So we added that piece in. And then the third part of cyber PR is we look at social media. We look at is your fan base growing? Are people catching on? Are people talking about you? Um, we focus on all seven of the social sites um, with a giant emphasis on Twitter, which is our favorite one here. Um, and if you don't actually understand how to use social media, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You're not going to get very far. So it's those three things. It's traditional PR and having a real professional look and feel. It's understanding that's one side of the house, mixing it with social media, two-way conversations, and blending in, really building your newsletter list, building your fan base, making sure you're touching your fans consistently. It's, it's one of the oldest articles that in the disruptive music industry was Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans, good old Wired Magazine, and it's still a foundation for us. If, if an artist can have a thousand fans that pay him or her a hundred dollars a year, you've got a shot at a decent life. And we still we still use that model. So that's why uh, we
0: Give me, I don't know, maybe. To give the audience maybe one or two things that they can do on social media because t- I know that you believe that it's really important. I understand why you're saying that, that social media is very important for musicians. Like maybe a couple of things, a couple of tips, um, social media tips that uh, that like a takeaway that they could use, that they maybe they could do on themselves easily.
1: Sure. So the first thing I would say, it's less of a tip and more of a mind mindset. Okay. We're living in a world now that accentuates giant numbers. You know, Lady Gaga had a billion views, you know, a million streams. You know, we're living in this crazy time where Mm -hmm. unless you have a million of something, you're not good or you're not going to succeed. And then, of course, there's all this horrible news about how much 20 million streams actually pays you, which is, you know. 50 cents or something horrible but um, so so the mindset I would say is when you're going to approach social think micro not macro think about touching or connecting to or interacting with one person and don't get all caught up with oh I don't have 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 or whatever crazy big number if you can inspire or touch one person, you are beginning to understand how to use social media. So micro, not macro. And that means just responding to people that talk to you. And not just like liking something or thank you or a little smiley face, but like really thoughtfully commenting on what someone says to you. That would be my first tip. Get a real relationship going with one or two or five or ten people, and it doesn't matter which channel. You can share photos on Instagram. You can leave thoughtful comments on Facebook. You can send each other an app message or a direct message on Twitter. The vehicle is not important. The communication is.
0: To create like a real, use the social media to create real relationships
1: correct and this goes against sort of the panic that sets in for most of us when we turn on a social stream and there's like so many people and you don't know what to look at and this person looks stupid and this one's bragging and this one's sharing something that's too private and this one's eating a tuna sandwich and i don't care you know you have to kind of let all of that go and try to find one person to have a meaningful interaction with
0: so, I, w- one thing that I've always said to people was that they forget is the first word of social media is social. And <laughs> social means hanging out, talking, getting to know people, you know, having interesting conversations and cr- creating good feeling. That's
1: right. And, you know, I, 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 had, I wrote a famous article that I think got a million shares or something, not even, maybe it got ten, but it was good. And it, <laughs> it, it, I, it said, I wrote, million, damn it. it was amazing, I don't know, whatever it is. But the point is, the article is called, I wish it wasn't called social media, because to your point, it's the media part that trips us up. And it's our attachment to, if the media doesn't care about me, I don't count. Uh. And this is, yeah you which know, I think is one of one of the oldest um problems with when we think about fame or think about how we're going to get somewhere, you know we think well if the media doesn't pay attention it, it it doesn't count so that's that yes, social is the leading word, but media is the one you should just like totally ignore
0: <laughs> okay, well speaking of social media boy that was i I've, I'm taking tons of notes here um. Speaking of uh, social media, what is Social Media House, and explain you you have some sort of giveaway or something going on with this? If you could, you talk about that for a second.
1: I'd love to. So, (laughs) Social Media House is again, as I was thinking through cyber PR, which is this process. I like processes, and I, to me, when you know, my dad is an artist, and so I've, I've spent my life looking at how artists think and. Business systems and processes normally not high on the list of how a creative mind functions. And so Social Media House it was my way of approaching the whole social media puzzle. So it, it was grounded in my first book that I wrote called Music Success in Nine Weeks, which was a nine-week system. And I wrote that book before Facebook even came into the market. Um, And it's been obviously rewritten now to include those social platforms. But Social Media House was a system that I set up so that I could explain to our clients how to build an effective presence online, and I did it just like you would build a house. So start with the foundation, get that right, then frame the door, then go up and build the house, and the chimney is the last piece, right? So, um, or the roof would be the last piece. So, I sort of thought through the different rooms of the house, the different elements of the house. And Social Media House, um, because I do love the number nine, um, it is a nine week system. And I created an online course starting with how to think about your social marketing, going into websites. Week three, we talk about Facebook. Then we move into Twitter. Then we go to YouTube. Then we go to Pinterest and Instagram. Then we talk about newsletters and blogging, and finally, on the last week, we talk about monetization. How are we going to all make money now that we understand the foundational stuff? And so Social Media House is a course. It's taught by me and some of my team members here at Cyber PR, and it is a primer for those that have never really done social or done it in a systematic way, and it's a refresher um, for those that already feel like they have it all sorted out. It is a work in progress. Social media never stops. Getting your website tweaked never stops. Making sure that you look and feel a certain way online never stops. So that's what it is. And it's, um, I used to, for about a year and a half, I sold the course for $300. And all of this Apple news got me so upset this past spring Um, And before Ms. Taylor Swift uh, helped us all out by really making a point that it's not fair that artists should give away all of their intellectual property so that Apple can get us hooked on their products, um, I said, you know what? If every artist I know has to give away their IP, I'm going to give away mine. So I made Social Media House free, and I am so delighted there's, A couple thousand artists taking it right now, and it's going to stay free. It's up on my blog, and um, I want to share it with as many people as possible because if you don't get this stuff right, it's going to be really hard to do your dream.
0: Okay. Well, it's free. It's up on your blog. How do people get to it?
1: You can go to cyberprmusic.com forward slash blog, and you'll see all the weeks are getting posted as I, as I move through it.
0: Simple. Like it. Easy. Okay. Uh, you have written four books now. All right. And your latest book just came out, right? Crowd Start.
1: Well, this is actually interesting. It did not but, come out.
0: It did um, not. Uh-oh. It did I, not. I
1: read somewhere it was coming out in spring of
0: 2015. No. no. I know.
1: I know because that was sort of wishful thinking. It, I, it's <laughs> not going to come out because I am actually um, I'm working on – on a bigger book. I I have a tentative book deal, which is very exciting. It's going to be my first non-self-published book.
0: Oh, congratulations.
1: Thank you. So my book was going to be all about crowdfunding. And instead of that, I'm going to make more of an entrepreneur's guide. um, And I'm going to instead turn the crowdfunding course into an online program. So. I should be launching that within the next, I would say, middle of 2016. Okay. Um, yeah, so at this point, um, CrowdStart is not starting. <laughs> but, okay. um, but I really do believe that um, crowdfunding is a very important element for those of us who do need to get money and to, to fund whatever, the next project, the next dream. And so I will be... Launching a 30-day, step-by-step, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, day-by-day, crowdfunding platform program. So that sounds do do? fantastic.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of confusion about yeah. how that works. So that's fantastic. Um, you've given away so many great uh, tips, and you've given you're giving away this great course. But I have to ask you just just one: uh, What's the biggest mistake that artists make when they're trying to build a career? Is there is there one giant like Just no no.
1: I think there is. Okay. Big giant. The big. It's funny because I'm I'm sort of vacillating between which one is the biggest no no. Um, (laughs) I would say um, the one I see that I that stops artists and takes them down is is the impatient. The biggest no no is expecting that, as Seth Godin so eloquently put it when I interviewed him, that there is some magic Santa Claus in the sky that's going to come and save you that there's that one moment that we all believe is supposed to be the moment, the the moment on American Idol where you get picked or the moment where you get cast in the voice or the moment when, you know, um, Jimmy Iovine or Clive Davis discovers you. That moment um, for like 99.9% of us, it doesn't happen. And we live in a world that focuses on making us believe that that, is a reality for everyone. Everybody watches Shark Tank, right? And we're waiting for this moment where, "Ah," you know, you're going to make all the money, get the big deal. Um, That's not how it works for, for us mere mortals. I think that that's important to understand is that success, especially in the music business, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you have to get really, really clear about what, a great successful moment can look like because you can miss them while you're waiting for Clive Davis to show up. So while you're waiting,
0: <laughs> right. while you're
1: waiting for your huge break so you can go on that tour, you know, whatever your dream is, it could happen. I'm not, I'm not here to dash dreams, but I see artists who get out of gratitude and get out of the game because they're overwhelmed and exhausted and they're not willing to see when the victories are actually happening. They're just focused on what's not happening. And that is the biggest mistake I see. The artists that I've seen succeed, and I've now been in 22 years, and there's career artists that I've seen from my first couple of years in the business, they're still doing it. It doesn't look anything like it used to look for them or for us or for any, anyone. I'm working with um, Chris Barron, the lead singer of The Spin Doctors, who I followed enthusiastically in the early 90s before they even got signed. And, you know, he's on the phone with me once a week coaching, and we are working on all the same things I work on with any one of my other artists, even though he sold nearly 8.8 8 million records and has toured globally and has had number one hits and he's been on the cover of Rolling Stone. And if you're making judgments about whether or not you like his music, that's not the point of what I'm saying here. He is just like every other artist that I work with, whether they're 17 years old or 67 years old, he's got to relearn how to build his mailing list and how to find his fan base and how to book smaller gigs and how to speak in a way on Twitter that appeals to his fans. And that's the relearning that we constantly have to do. So that, that's my, my advice is, it's not easy for anyone. It's not easy for people that used to be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. It's not easy for anyone out there doing it. It is work, and it requires patience, and, and that's, that's the mistake I see is the rushing, the impatience, the, we work with so many artists that they want to put their album out next week, and we say, okay, why? Do you have a release party? No. Do you have uh, something huge happening like a tour no well why do we have to put it out next week what's the thinking it's very easy to be um to feel like you're in a place of urgency
0: so the biggest thing then is the sort of mindset is what i what i sort of deduced or sort of boiled down what you said what you were explaining there as a uh, they they have a sort of like impatient i want it on i want it now and that's, I mean, I think that's that's societal in a lot of ways too, you know, and it's no, no not doubt. the biggest surprise that that doesn't bleed over into the music business or any other business. Um, so that's great advice, guys. I hope that you pay, took that to heart. Um, it was, uh, th- that was great. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, you, we, you talk you help a lot of people who are in, like musicians who are you know, building a career and stuff. But what about somebody who wants to do what you do, somebody who wants to get into music marketing, helping musicians? Do you have uh, uh, any words of wisdom uh, for them?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. It's <laughs> funny you should ask. Um, <laughs> my, my piece of advice is, it's sort of the same thing I would say to artists, don't wait for anyone to give it to you. The thing that's so cool about what you can do the minute you stop listening to this broadcast or the minute you, you do it right now, just get on your computer, find one artist, one record label, one festival, one music venue, one solo violin player. I don't care what it is. Find one person and help them. Don't wait for the cool PR firm or the hip indie record label or the person that you think is going to give you the job to do it, go make your own job. And if they can pay you in used furniture or if they pay you in session time or if they pay you in vocal lessons or if they pay you in chocolate chip cookies, I don't care, whatever it is, take the gig, get yourself some experience. I'm always shocked when... People that want to be in marketing or PR come and they want to have an information session with me and I say, well, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Like, really? Twitter's (laughs) out there. You know, you can can turn your computer on and literally in a couple of hours through your network find a musician or an artist or anyone that needs help. Use your intuition. Use the amazing blogosphere. Read one of the 350 articles I've written about how to do this stuff. There's also, of course... A lot of amazing people, Bobby Orsinski, Madeline Scholar, Bob Baker. There are so many people. Lou, you're listening to Lou. So many people <laughs> giving away great information. There's no excuse. So you can make up your own little business, start it now, and then when it comes time to get hired by a marketing agency, a PR firm, a label, a studio, whatever your dream is, you've got your track record and you've proven that you're viable. That is what I would suggest.
0: Working with Ariel. How, if somebody wants to work with you, Ariel, what, what's, what, what, uh, what, do you, what do you have available? How do people get in touch with you? What, what's the process? You like process.
1: Uh, I do. I love processes. <laughs> um, you can come to cyberprmusic.com, and right there on the bottom of the page, it says Interested in Working With Us. Click on that link, and you will there find uh, a lot of information about what we do, where our rates start, and if you see something that resonates, please fill in what it is you're interested in getting from us or what you want for yourself, and I will call you or Bonnie from my Los Angeles office will call you and we'll talk to you about um, how we may or may not be able to help, but we'll talk to you either way. and. Um, that's how you can get involved.
0: Okay, and that again, that what is that website again, Ariel?
1: It is cyberprmusic.com.
0: Okay, very good. Um, this has been a, like a wonderful discussion. I've learned a lot, and um, I know that a lot of the uh, indie artists and musicians that listen. Um, I hope you guys are took. Copious notes, but don't worry because you can always play it back and listen to it again and again and again. Um, Ariel, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? But
1: thanks. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And um, you know, for those of you who are getting freaked out and like, oh, I can't do it, it's again, it's really mindset. It's really baby steps. And um, come hit me on Twitter. Find me if you've got a question. I'm at CyberPR. Um, I always love to hear from artists, and I always love to help
0: uh Ariel by the way, is very easy to approach she's very approachable um even though she has some uh you know uh famous names on her website um she was, uh, you know hey I was able to talk to her. <laughs> So you guys, definitely you want to reach out um, and, and follow her, uh, her feed and get on her mailing list as well, because uh, even if you don't end up working with her or you're not ready to work with her uh, as a paying client, there's tons of amazing uh, videos and articles that she's, that she's written that are out there that uh, are very – if you just take the free stuff and you're really, you work real, real, real hard, very often you can really make something happen. So Ariel, thank you so much and um, it's just we're gonna we're gonna end the call we're gonna end the recording now but if you hang on one second I want to talk to you before you go okay
1: okay
0: alright guys thanks for listening uh, uh, don't forget to check out Ariel's website and you can uh, always tune back into past podcasts at podcast.ludini we'll see you guys on the next show it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper